Good morning. It's a blessing to be gathered together, to be able to look into God's Word and to, uh, to be satisfied and to be filled. You don't have to turn to this verse, but I'm going to read you this verse. It says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And as I was thinking, some on that, there is, uh, there is two, I was thinking of two different ways to apply that. First of all, in this life, we don't have to live in fear. But something greater than that is, and we've been talking about this, and I appreciate what the brother shared this morning, that we have that privilege to go into the presence of God Almighty without any fear because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, and, and as we talk this morning, one thing I have, I, 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 I shouldn't, I don't know if I can say often, but numerous times I believe, you know, I think about that when I, when I preach the word of God, I don't want to make you feel guilty because if I make you feel guilty, someone else can make you feel okay, okay? But I trust that as we look into the Word of God that, that we can build conviction in our lives. You see, we say conviction is something that we're willing to die for. And so I want to build conviction in my brothers' and sisters' lives that, that they're willing to die for, for what they believe and what God has showed them in His Word. And so, you know, my mind as I was sitting there this morning, I don't know for sure why that was, but... Uh, I don't remember all the details for sure, but I can tell you the story well enough that a number of years ago I was uh, flying somewhere, and I was sitting in the airport, and a man was sitting there beside me, and he was telling me different things, and and he was kind of cursing and swearing sometimes, and we were just talking about different things, and then he said, so so why are you flying? I said, oh, I'm a pastor, and I'm going for revival meetings, and he said, Oh, he said, I, I, I shouldn't have talked like I should have. You know, and I told him, I said, I don't want you to feel guilty because of me. I said, you're not going to answer to me, but you're going to answer to a God in heaven sometime. You know, and so you don't have to worry about me, but, but you do have to worry about someday you are going to stand before God. And you are going to give an account. And so this morning, uh, we want to talk about uh, a message entitled FaceTime. FaceTime is, is, is very important. Um, you know, sometimes we don't want to face situations. Sometimes we don't want to face God. Um, and in our world today, uh, there is no doubt that in churches and in our lives and in our nation, and around the world, that a high percentage of people are addicted to screens, okay? FaceTime. We are addicted to FaceTime, to to having activity and things moving. But I like what it says in Corinthians, that the house of Stephanus was addicted to the ministry of, of the saints, so there is an addiction that that uh, that we need to have. That that an addiction 
is something that we just can't go without, that, that we, will almost, we will basically give up anything else in order to satisfy that addiction. Well, so if we are addicted to the ministry of the saints, then, then I'm willing to give up anything else so that I can minister to the saints. And so uh, as, as we think about that this morning, what am I addicted to? And, and as Brother Merv, uh, Mar, uh, Marv, I'm sorry, <laughs> Brother Marv was sharing, you know, he's talking about uh, your heart and those different things. And I had to think about that, that I've often, we've heard this, but I think it's so powerful that, you know, there's a throne in our heart. And only one person can be on that throne. Only one person. It's either myself or Christ. And Christ is a gentleman. He knocks, right? He doesn't kick down the door and come in and say, I'm boss and I'm taking over. No. He knocks. And he's also a gentleman. He pleads with us and whatever. But if we tell him, you get off of the throne and you leave. He will do that. The God of the universe will do that. If we say, I don't want you to be on the throne of my heart. I don't desire for you to be on the throne of my heart. I don't want it. He will leave. He will continue to knock. But he will leave. He will step down off of his throne. And he will walk out of our hearts. If we so tell him to. The day is coming that he's going to be king of kings and lord of lords, isn't it? It'll be no longer, okay, I will step back. But it will be face time, face to face. And so, um, I want to read, I was going to sing this, but I don't think I will. But. I would like you just to, I don't care if you close your eyes or what you do, but just meditate on the words of this song, face to face with Christ my Savior, okay? So I don't care if you close your eyes, whatever, just, just meditate, and I will read you these words. It says, face to face with Christ my Savior, face to face what will it be? When with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ who died for me. FaceTime, face to face. Only faintly now I see him with the darkening veil between. But a blessed day is coming when his glory shall be seen. What rejoicing in his presence. When are banished grief and pain. When the crooked ways are straightened and the dark things shall be plain. Face to face, O blissful moment. Face to face to see and know. Face to face with my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who loves me so. Then the chorus says, face to face shall I behold him far beyond the starry sky. Face to face in all his glory. I shall see him by and by. As we think of, of face time, of, of facing Christ, of, of, of facing him, 
You know, if I have a problem right now going into my prayer closet and facing Christ, I'm going to have a real problem on that day. You see, I want to challenge us this morning. Let's not have secrets in our lives. Let's not have things that are hidden. Let's not, every one of us here could hide things from each other if we want to. But why do we want to do that? That destroys our face time with Christ. It will destroy us when we face Him face to face. And so, you know, when there's, when there's secrecy, there's darkness, there's sin, there's undoneness. You know, and besides, don't be deceived. God already knows. Okay, He already knows. And so, as we think of face to face with Christ my Savior, face to face, what will it be? Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, and I want to read one verse here, and then we want to look at some illustrations from Scripture of people who were in the presence of God and and things. Okay, first, Acts 13, 52. And it says, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Now that's interesting. It says, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. This is a very simple question, but I want you to answer it, okay? If I'm going to be filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost, what needs to happen? I need to what? In thy presence is fullness of joy. What happens before that? I have to what? Can you fill a jar with something that's full of other things? What do I have to do? I have to empty myself. And so, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. So they were filled with joy. And with the Holy Ghost, the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, the disciples were filled with joy. And I don't, I tell you, there's a passage that, that I wrestle with in my own life because it says that if we are a good soldier, we will not entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life. Now, any of you got that all figured out here this morning? How, how does all that happen? How do we do that? I don't have all those answers, but I know that a must in all of that is us going in before Christ and face to face with a heart that is pure, that is filled with the joy of the Lord and is empowered by the Holy Ghost. You see, when the Holy Ghost And when the Spirit of God comes into our lives, it controls us just like alcohol controls an alcoholic. I shouldn't say just like, okay? But it controls us. We will say things. We will do things. We will go places that we wasn't planning to go to for the glory of God because we are under the control of the Spirit of God. And so the the disciples were filled with, with joy and with Holy Ghost. Let's look at an example. Flip back to Exodus chapter 34. 
Exodus chapter 34, and it says, let's read verses 29 to 35, and this is about Moses when he went up into the mount to see God. Exodus 34, 29 to 35, and it says, And it came to pass when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tablets of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with them. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him. And Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel <coughs> that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again, and he went in to speak with him. So let's think about this a little bit. Moses goes up into the mount, and he's in the presence of God. And, and he, he spends that time... And I, I know that it was pretty close to face to face. I don't think any man has seen the face of God according to the scripture and lived. But uh, he was in the presence of God. And when he came down from that mountain, from being in the presence of God, it says that he made his face shine. Is that what it says? No. It says when he came down from the presence of God, he didn't make his face shine. He didn't even realize that his face was a glow. But when he came down from being in the presence of God Almighty, it says that his face shone. See, we spend a lot of time trying to make our light shine. When Christ said, let your light so shine before men, it's not a deal of making our light shine. It's a matter of having face time with God so that our face is a glow and our lives are a glow with the things of God. Thank you. That our face, our face shows and our actions show that we have been with God. And it's kind of interesting that when Moses came down, the people, they could not stand that. They looked at his face and his face was a glow. And so they said, Moses, put this, put this veil over your face. And then it says, when God would go back, or I'm sorry, when Moses went back to the mountain, he took that veil back off. And he went into the presence of God. I know that when we are in the presence of God and having face time with Him and our heart is pure that we will be changed. Do you believe that this morning? You can overcome anything in your life. You, you, can, you, can, 
you can choose to forgive. How many of you here this morning ever have, have, you don't have to raise your hand, but I will, have battled with forgiveness? That's right. You know, I have probably faced things in my life that you've never faced, and you have faced things in your life probably that I have never faced. But when I stand in the presence of God, I have no choice but to forgive if I want to have face time with God. Oh, I have fought that, and I have wrestled that. And my flesh just said, but that isn't right, right? I mean, you understand, right? That ain't right. Maybe it isn't right. But God said, you are without excuse. You can come into my presence And you can choose to not be bitter. You can choose to not hold on to that unforgiveness. You can choose to not be covetous. You can choose to not whatever. And oh, I have fought with God on that. And I tell you what, when you fight with God, you never win. You never win. No one has ever fought with God and won. And no one will. But I want to challenge you this morning, brothers and sisters. You're looking at a man that has fought some of those things. And I have wrestled with God. And I have turned to other things at times and and whatever. But I tell you what, until we can come into the presence of God, face to face, lay down before the face of God and say, I'm done. I give it to you. We cannot be filled with joy, and with the Holy Ghost. I have experienced that firsthand too often in my own life. You know, and so when we think of coming into that presence of God, that, that's so much deeper than coming to church. That's so much deeper than, than just doing things right. It's so much different than just trying to be good enough. I can guarantee you this morning that none of us here, according to the Word of God, will ever be good enough on our own strength. We can't live holy enough. In fact, it says without the power of God on lives, <laughs> it's filthy rags, stinky, smelly, icky rags that are worthless. But when we come in before God with that heart that is broken, and we can say, God, I've had it. I'm done. As Moses went up and when he went up into the mountain, when he came down, the people could see the glory of God. Now we want to talk about this with Moses a little more. Flip with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 13 to 18. It says, And not as Moses which put a veil over his face, and the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which was abolished, but their minds were blinded. So the reason why they couldn't look on his face in reality was is because their minds were blinded. Their their minds were not open. And so when they seen the glory of God, they couldn't identify with it, and, and they couldn't stand it because their hearts were blinded. For unto this day remaineth the same veil 
on taking away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even until this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their hearts. Talking about the Jewish people here. Nevertheless, when it, and that it there, I believe, is the heart, Nevertheless, when the heart shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Does that make sense this morning? When our hearts turn to God, the veil is taken away. Nevertheless, when it, when it the heart, shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty But we all with open face, beholding as in the glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So when we come into that presence of God and our heart is changed and that veil is taken away, we are given liberty. And this is so misunderstood today in in, in Christianity around the world. That liberty is not to live how I want to, okay? That liberty is not to, uh, to live how I want to, but we are given the liberty and the power and the grace to live the way that God wants us to live. You see? It's not a liberty that, oh, well, now I can just swap wives and I can just whatever and I can just watch whatever I want to do. And No. It's a liberty that has delivered us from the law of sin and death. And now we can live in freedom before God. And the grace of God will enable us to live above when the veil is taken away. When I think of facing things in this life, we have faced things in 2020 that we've never faced before, haven't we? And brothers and sisters, I believe it's not going to get, it's not going to go away. It's going to get worse. But for those of us who believe, it only points to us that the end is near. I would be lying if I felt told you this morning that I think it's going to get better. It's not going, I don't believe it's going to get better. People, I hear people saying, I just can't wait till we get back to normal. Uh, I don't know what you think normal is, but we're not going to get back to normal, I don't believe, in the world or in our society. And you know, if, if that is what I have based my life on, is the norm of this world, then it's devastating. We are going to have to have face time with God. We are going to face probably questions possibly in the next months that we have never faced. What are you going to do? I want to seek God. I want to have that face time with God. I don't want to veil over my heart. You know, you can't just turn off and on God being on the throne of your heart. You can't just say, well, I'm on the throne right now, and when you get in a pinch, then God's on the throne. No, 
We can't do that. It's a, it's a process of me dying to myself. And when my heart dies to God, and, he die, and he, I have that face time with God in His Word, and in prayer, and in fellowship with brothers and sisters, it empowers me. I brought this little example along this morning. It's just a real simple example. But I want, I, if you... If you as a congregation, if we as brothers and sisters want to be faithful in these times that we live, this is what needs to happen in our life, okay? It's really simple, but it takes a lot of effort to do it. You see, we all want power, right? We want power to be able to do this, and we want power to overcome. But I call this the vict- a victory circle. So, so we read, we pray. We obey, and we have power. And so now we have more power, so now we can read more, we can pray more, we obey more, and that power circle, I tell you, it's a victorious Christian circle right there. If every one of us here this morning would apply this circle to our lives, we would read God's Word, we would pray, we would obey, we would have power, and, and that power would help us to understand the Word of God more. And it would give us more power in our prayer life. And it would make it easier for us to obey. The biggest reason why I don't want to obey is because I'm on the throne. You see, that's the biggest reason why I don't want to obey. And, you know, as, as I think about that, you know, prayer. You know, I'll just try to set this up here a little bit. But, you know, that circle... Is, is so important in our lives. There is no, can you say that with me this morning? No. No. Do you have to train, do you have to train your children to say no? No. But let's say it together. No. There is no exchange for any of those things in order for us to have a, a victorious Christian life. We have to read, we have to pray, we have to obey, and we have power. That is, that is. So many times we we tell our children, you know, don't say no. I've, I've wondered about this, and this is, I wasn't even thinking about saying this this morning, but sometimes, you know, I, I understand the Bible says that. We, we said, you know, we, we have wedding messages, and and, and we say that the wife is to be subject unto the husband. And that's right. That's what the Word of God says. But it says, as the church is subject unto what? Christ. Wow. So are, are we as Christ's bride? Are we subject unto Him? Do we, do we say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord? You know, sometimes we could say, well, boy, that lady, uh, you know, or, or that person isn't subject to their, to their husband or whatever. And I don't believe that every time that a, that a woman isn't, that it means that her husband isn't. But I wonder how many times... We as husbands love our wives as Christ loved the church. Maybe, maybe, 
maybe, maybe ladies in society today, you know, we say, boy, they're just so out of place. But maybe they are in subjection to their authority like society is to, to the church. Does that make sense this morning? Oh, it's just, you know, that it's, it's just so important that we as men... You know, we, you're going to face things like the brother said. I, I have faced things in my life that I didn't think I would face, to be honest with you. And you have faced things in your life. But, you know, how is it going to be like we heard already this morning when we are face to face with God? You know, back in World War II, when, when the United States decided to end the war, well, the, you know, when they dropped the two atomic bombs on Japan and they say that what we have today is like I mean those things are nothing compared to what we have today far as power of of atomic things but you know when 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 those planes as those planes they flew in there and and they dropped from miles up, I believe. I'm not for sure. I think from miles up, they dropped that atomic bomb. And then they turned around and they headed back out as fast as they could because they knew when that exploded that they couldn't be in the air around there. And, and so they dropped those bombs and they turned around and they headed out as fast as they could and, and according to the pilots of those planes, that, that when those bombs went off, it still jolted the plane forward because of the force of that explosion. And, you know, we, 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 I think about that of, of all the, the probably millions of people who were destroyed. And, you know, some people were, were probably swearing and cursing and boom. Some people, they say, just went up into vapor. It just, they were, if that would have been dropped in this area, they would have found none of us. We would have just been vapor. Just poof. Life is a vapor, isn't it? And so as that bomb exploded, uh, those people uh, at some point, I don't think right at that point probably, but you know, at some time here, they're going to come face to face with Christ and how, what state they was in. When that hit is what state they will come face to face with Christ. Maybe some were cursing and swearing. Maybe some were committing adultery. Maybe some were reading the word of God. Maybe some were praying. Maybe some were crying out to God for, for the lost or, or, you know, whatever it was. You know, and, and when, that, when that bomb exploded and they became vapor. They said that as you get a little bit farther away from the initial explosion, that, that people, they found them dead. And they, maybe, maybe they were walking along and just, boom. It fried them. And they were just exactly in the same position. Maybe they was in mid-stride. Maybe they was whatever. But when, when that went off, it just, boom. And it was over. You know, <laughs> I, I sometimes get tired. I just read the other evening in the paper that uh, 
Well, they had to close some things down because some people was coming to look at it and some, some vegetation was getting ran over and things. And so we have to save the earth. Do you realize this morning that all this green, I'm not against destroying the earth, but do you realize this morning that even the earth is under the dominion of sin? That's why these things are happening. That's why it's not because we have too many people. These things are happening because even creation groaneth under the weight of sin. Even creation is growing, groaning. Even the world is groaning and saying, how long? And it's in direct defiance of God's word. I'm not saying it's wrong to recycle or this or that. But, you know, to focus on the fact that we have to save our world when our focus needs to be on saving what? Souls. Saving our lives. Saving our families. Saving those around us. We live in a messed up, turned upside down, confused society. You can almost get more time in jail for shooting the neighbor's dog than their child. That's right. And, and, you know, we live in a society that is so warped and so turned up, turned over. But brothers and sisters, when we go in and we have that face time with God, it changes us. That's what makes us peculiar people. God said he wants, he's coming back for a people that the world is going to say, you are odd. You are weird. Now, I don't know. I mean, sometimes when I go to town and things, I don't see any reason why we need to be ashamed of how we look when I see how some of these other people look, right? They're not ashamed of it. Purple hair and red hair and this, this side's 10 inches long and this side shaved and, and they think we're odd, you know? I mean, you know, we don't have to be ashamed, you know. We don't have to be ashamed. Uh, we should not be ashamed, and that's, that's, that, that's just one little tiny whatever, but, you know, we should not be ashamed to, to proclaim the Word of God with our lives. You know, don't be ashamed, you know, to, you know, people may not like it, but I tell you what, we have, I, don't, I don't think it's ever been easier than right now to point people to, to say, man, they say, man, things are messed up. And it's so easy to say, that's what the revelation talks about. Things are going to be messed up and the end is coming and, and we have to look to God. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a time. I mean, people are reaching out for something. What am I reaching out to? You know, and when I think of that joy of the Lord, I used to be involved with this a lot more and things and it, you know, and, but you know, some people their joy is if the ball goes through the hoop or not. If the football flies through the goal or not. I mean, that, that last basket that goes in the rim or rims around and comes out, it will make their next week full of fun or they will be totally discouraged 
for the whole next week. People who go to the Olympics, they have, they have dedicated their life to that purpose. And, and, and they lose. And we think, how can that be that because they lost a game that they sat there and they, they cry and they weep? And we kind of can say, oh, that's kind of foolish. But I believe that when we as God's people, when we dedicate our life, when we dedicate our life and we are addicted to the ministry of the saints, I believe that when we fail the saints, we'll cry. Godly sorrow. do you, do you cry? Do you have a godly sorrow? You see, FaceTime with God causes us to have a godly sorrow. <clears throat> it doesn't cause us to try to do better. It causes us to have a godly sorrow that will cause us to repent. Society has been trying for years to make people better. And it's been a total, absolute failure. You can go to the most wrecked places in the inner cities and you can build them nice, new, big apartments and whatever and go back in five years. The same thing is still going on. The buildings are wrecked. We we, we bring people, we get people coming to church and, and we try to encourage them to do better. To try harder. No. Let's, let's repent. Take your Bibles again. And I want to look at a few verses yet here in closing and, and, and from James and Revelation. James chapter 1. Let's look at James chapter 1. And uh, twenty three to 26 of James chapter 1. It says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he is. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, work this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. He says, James writes here, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, whoso looketh into this perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he shall be blessed in his deed. This is the perfect law of liberty. It's not bondage. It's the perfect law of liberty. And as we look into this this word and we have face time with God and we look into his word and I tell you the Bible says that it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. There is nothing in this life that is more life-changing than the Word of God. Nothing. That's what God said. It is quick. It is powerful. 
It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And yes, it goes right down in there. And yes, it hurts. Because it's got to cut off. And it's got to do away with. But the perfect law of liberty, it gives us the ability. And you don't have to look at this, but in James chapter 1, verse 9, he says, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Oh, I have been so convicted over the last few years in my life that God has showed me that, Terry, you're not quick enough to hear and you're too quick to speak. But the Word of God says, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Oh. He says, humble yourself in the sight of God and He will lift you up. A while back, someone called me and I, had to, I told him a few things. And afterwards I thought, oh man, what if that causes a problem or what if that person comes back with this or that? But you know, as I thought through it, it was someone that had part in some things. And I thought, you know, I told them nothing that was not truth. You see, and, and we have to do that in love, but, you know, uh, if, if we are truthful with God and we're truthful with each other, we don't have to think about, oh, well, what did I say back there? Or did I say that? I, I said truth. I didn't say it in a, you, you can't say truth out of, without love or in a malicious manner. But you see, truth is always truth that you can't change. Truth. That's why God can't change. Because he's truth. God is light. God is the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? And so, it's not, it, God can't lie because truth never lies. And so, as, as we are swift to hear and slow to speak, as we humble ourselves... I was challenged. Um, I was speaking with a brother from another country. And he challenged me with this thought. And I, I hope I never forget this for the rest of my life. But he said, humility is never threatened. Think about that. Humility is never threatened. Oh, when people speak out against us and people say things about us. Oh, our flesh. Hey, let it. Remember, humility is never threatened. That, wow, that's heavy. Humility is never threatened. That doesn't mean that there's never a time to speak truth, but when someone starts to rail on us and someone's being wrong towards us, do you ever feel that? <laughs> you ever feel that inside? Of course you do. Right? And that flesh starts to rail up. And, but let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. And remember, humility is never threatened. It doesn't mean we never speak truth. And as I, as I was thinking about some of the things, I want to challenge you as brothers and sisters here this morning that how we are with our brothers and with mankind is how we are with God. Okay? So if I can't listen, and I always have the answers, that's how I am with God. I don't want to listen, and I have the answers, and I know. 
If I am not humble before my brothers, I'm not humble before God. Those are heavy things. But they're things that God has been working on in my own life to spend face time with him. You know, and we say, oh, no. Well, doesn't the word of God say that you can't love God more than your brother, right? So you can't be more humble with God than your brother. You can't be more hearing from God than your brother. Let's think about those things. Let's be swift to hear, slow to speak. I want to close. I would like you to turn to this. Revelation 21. Revelation 21, talking about the light and the glory of God radiating like it did on Moses' face and like it's going to radiate on our faces. You know, we're going to stand out. We're going to be unique. People are going to say, what? That's okay. When, when we're swift to hear and slow to speak and, and all these different things. But Revelation 21 verse 23 says, I love this. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For what? Say it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is a light thereof. Let's read that together, starting with for the glory. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the lamp is the light thereof. So you see, in this life, we're just getting ready for the next life. So when the glory of God is shining out of me, I don't have to make light. And when we come into the glory of God, there won't need to be any light either because it will just be light. I can't explain all that, but it's how it is. And so let's prepare now for then. Let's allow the glory of the gospel, the glorious gospel to shine out through us. We have a phenomenal opportunity right now as the world gets darker, to let the glorious light of the gospel shine out through us. And then as we leave this life and go into that final state, it'll just be more glory. You see, from glory to glory. Does that make sense this morning? He's changing us from glory to glory. So his glory is shining out in us now and more and more glory. And then when we leave this life, we just go to even more glory. Let's pray. Father, this morning, as we have looked into your word, I, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truths of your word. Lord, we are in a tremendous time of change globally. And even in our own area, we are in 2020 has been phenomenal change. And I believe that the birth pains have begun. And they're going to continue. And your word has told us in Revelation that when these things come to pass, they're going to happen quickly. Lord, I believe it appears like we are in that time where the child is going to be born. Just like you said, when a mother is in travail and a child is born God I don't want no secrets I don't I, I, I plead for your blood on every area of my life in repentance 
I want to be able to face you with the glory and the joy of the Lord. Not because of my righteousness, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing me from all sin. God, bless us as as people of God. Help us to, to keep looking up and to not be entangled. Help us, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all.